Total Skin Nerds is brought to you by SkinFix. We're clean, clinically active, and on a mission to help heal your skin. Welcome to Total Skin Nerds. I'm Amy Risley, the CEO of SkinFix and a first-rate skin nerd myself. On this episode, my guest is Dr. Nigma Talib. Dr. Talib believes healthy, younger-looking skin starts with diet and is heavily informed by what's happening in your gut. She can even tell what you're eating and what you should stop eating just by looking at you. I've been so curious about Dr. Talib's diagnostics that I invited her to be my guest today from Los Angeles. Stay tuned now to find out what she means by the four faces of aging, wine face, sugar face, dairy face, and gluten face. Plus, how to avoid puffiness, dark circles, acne, and sagging skin. And what supplements and topicals Dr. Talib thinks you need to keep your skin at its healthiest. Stick with me, nerds. Don't go away. So welcome, Dr. Nigma Talib, to Total Skin Nerds. It is such a pleasure having you on our show. Um, you treat so many incredible people, a lot of famous people. And um, what I love about your practice is that you're a naturopathic doctor and a medical esthetician. So you really have a very interesting perspective on um, naturopathic medicine, but directly how it relates to skin. And we're going to talk a lot about um some of your philosophies, and, and they're really, really interesting. But I'm interested to know, first and foremost, what drew you to naturopathy? And also, when did you kind of start to make the connection between what was going on in the gut and naturopathic medicine and what's happening on the skin barrier? Yeah, so when I was, um, you know, a teenager, I had a lot of skin issues, um, eczema, and, you know, also a lot of gut issues. And so my father took me to, my mom and dad would always try to research the best thing. And my dad was kind of the head research of the family. Um, when I, he'd exhausted all research um, with gastroenterologists and conventional healthcare models, uh, he sent me to a naturopathic doctor. And after, you know, undergoing some food intolerance testing, stool analysis. It was a crappy job, but I did it. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, other uh, lab work and, you know, being assessed and actually having my abdomen palpated by somebody, somebody feeling and pushing down and figuring out, you know, is there an issue with the ileocecal valve? Is it lower ascending colon? Is it epigastric? Like actually somebody, you know, uh, treating me versus a seven-minute visit in an office and just giving me a prescription, uh, I really got to understand how my body worked and the foods that I was eating, um, how it was affecting my digestion and my skin. And voila, you know, after not even a month of being on a naturopathic program, I literally had almost 100% clearing of my eczema and almost 70 to 80% you know, relief of digestion. So to me, that was the type of medicine I wanted to go into when, when I experienced it myself. Yes. Well, it, I mean, it's profound when something can help so quickly and, and done in a way too that you know, is 
better for you <laughs> in a lot of ways than taking prescription medication. And he talked um, on an interview that I'd listened to about naturopathic medicine being, you know, biochemical detectives, which is, is such an interesting perspective is really kind of unwinding all of the things that create the symptoms rather than just treat the symptoms, which is what I love about it. Um, what in particular did you have to sort of eliminate from your diet in order to clear up your gut issues and your eczema? Well, it wasn't fun, I have to be honest, because it were my favorite foods, you know, garlic, which is in a lot of okay. our cooking. Um, you know, I have ancestry from India, so, you know, everything has garlic in it. So right. uh, I had to take out garlic, I had to take out dairy, I had to take out things like spinach which I love spinach. And so things, you know, one man's poisons, another man's medicine. So just because something appears to be healthy, it may not be healthy for you. I took out eggs as well and okay. soy, you know, so those really, really helped me um, entirely, you know, because they were particular, um, you know, my body was uh, fighting with these foods and it, they were causing further inflammation in my body. So, you know, food intolerance testing has to be done by a naturopathic doctor properly, and there has to be proper advice because there's a lot of mixed questions on, you know, people have different questions around what is a food intolerance and, you know, if I retest, will it show up again? No, it's, it's an art to testing food intolerance. And this one doctor I went to see, Kelly Farnsworth, um, who then I ended up working with, uh, was incredible explaining it and how it works in the body, avoiding these foods and then reintroducing some of them down the road. Some you will never be able to reintroduce, but okay. some you might be able to take on occasion. Interesting. And so most of these foods you continue to avoid? I do. Sometimes I, you know, during this quarantine time, I'm not going to lie. I cheated <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> I gave myself permission. And it's interesting, like, you know, it doesn't always come out as eczema or digestive issues. It could come out as weight gain. So okay. you can actually gain weight from eating some of these food intolerances because they're causing inflammation in your body, water, water retention, and they're also creating your thyroid to be uh, not as um, optimally active as it normally should. So lots of things can happen with food intolerances. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I deal with a lot of food intolerances myself that, you know, we've fundamentally sort of um, brought back to insulin resistance. And so I've started to understand that I have insulin resistance and there are certain foods that are kind of creating this chain reaction. And what I love about naturopathic medicine is that you go so deep, you know, you go so deep in terms of the analyses that you do and the blood work that you do. And you kind of look at things at a very uh, much deeper level, um, which is just fascinating. One of the things that you talk a lot about is um, some of the principles of Chinese medicine that you've brought in to your practice. And in particular, you talk about face mapping. Can you explain a little bit about what face mapping is and how that sort of skin barrier is a view to what might be going on inside the skin? Yeah. So when we, you know, in naturopathic school, in naturopathic medical school, we study traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture. And we look at the, I was always very interested in the face mapping. Whenever you know, part of our, our course of TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, was looking at people's face without any makeup on. 
and looking at maybe where there could be issues. You can tell a lot by what's on somebody's face, what their face looks like, um, as to what's happening in the body. So like under the eyes, like kidney stuff going on, you know, small intestine, various parts of stomach areas, lung, you know, different parts of the face will reflect different organs from a traditional Chinese medicine perspective. So that was already part of my DNA of learning um, okay. in naturopathic medical school. And then I used that alongside my clinical experience with patients when I kept seeing gluten face, sugar face, dairy face, and wine face. And I would take those faces and I would call my patients on it and say, hey, you've got dairy face today. And they'd be like, how did you know? How did you know? <laughs> and it was just for me looking at their face that I was able to face map them. Um, because when you're seeing patients, you, you really need to observe them. You know, uh, you need to, you know, be connected with your patient. And part of that was me observing the patient's skin and the different areas of the skin, what is looking more inflamed than it was last time. And I would document that in my notes and hence came up with the four faces of aging. I love the four faces of aging and I want to do a deep dive into that because you think about all of the, you know, I'm a Gen Xer and the Xers and the boomers have been, you know, traditionally all about buying really expensive skincare products, you know, the creme de la mer's and, you know, the, the Sisley's to treat our faces. And yet often, um, based on your theory of the four faces of aging, what we really need to be doing is looking at our diet first. And I think it's just fascinating. So can you walk us through the four faces and what are sort of the, the um, visual cues that somebody has gluten face or dairy face or sugar face or wine face? <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. I mean, there are four faces. Um, when, if you want to start um, and talk about for example, let's talk about dairy face because that's the, the easiest one to talk about. Dairy face is from consuming anything from cow's milk, goat's milk, sheep's milk, anything from an animal, anything that's white basically and liquid that comes from an animal is um, going to give you dairy face. And dairy face basically is you get the puffiness around the eyelids, under the eye, you get eye bags darkness under the eyes. Um, uh, you can get acne breakouts. Um, your skin is like, you know, not as, um, how do you say, it's just looking more kind of, uh, you know, grayish color uh, okay. in appearance. And, you know, not, you, not everyone with dairy face will have all of the characteristics of dairy face. You can have one or two uh, features of the dairy face, but it's really prominent, especially people with, you know, breaking out like irritation, rashes, um, kind of a rash mixed with acne kind of thing is dairy face as well. Okay. So that's one thing. And would you say that that's people that are intolerant to dairy or do you find that across the board that anyone that's eating, consuming a lot of dairy will have some of those visual cues of dairy face? So not everyone can take an intolerance test. So I think observing your skin and, you know, seeing if you have these things on your skin that come and go and you're just okay. like, well, I didn't have this last month and why am I having it this month? Maybe you're consuming more dairy this month than you originally thought. What then becomes more complicated is you could also have all four faces 
you know, at the same time. So right. it's, it's basically my book, the four week plan, taking out all four of these um, was a huge thing in terms of, you know, being able to see, you know, is this resolving for me? And, and most of the time, more than 95% of people that I meet or patients that I see have this resolved. That's crazy in 28 days. I mean, it is some of our favorite foods that we're giving up. However, um, you know, to have the anti-aging effects as, as quickly as 28 days. And I mean, you have some incredibly um, well-known people that have followed the plan and, and been had remarkable results. So um, it's worth it. So let's talk a little bit about, I am gluten intolerant and um haven't eaten gluten now for about 10 years, but talk a little bit about gluten face. So we look at, you know, when we think about gluten, we quite often think about, you know, celiac disease. And, you know, there are a lot of people that have a gluten problem, um, but don't have celiac, you know, per se. So it's not all about celiac disease. It's about it's about taking gluten out because it's causing inflammation in your intestines. When it causes inflammation in your intestines, more than likely you're going to get issues of pigmentation on the skin because that's how it shows up. Um, you see a lot of autoimmune people conditions that have, you know, um, inflammation on their skin from various thyroid, thyroid autoimmune diseases the most common autoimmune conditions. Uh, okay. And so, you know, all of this type of thing can cause, you know, this pigmentation around the chin. It can cause puffiness of this, the face, kind of like you eat pizza the next day, your face is swollen, or you wake up in the morning and why is your face swollen? Gluten is going to be most likely the cause of that. Okay. Um, so, you know, it is, gluten is a very tough, I mean, we could be here for two days nonstop talking about gluten and, mm. you know, why it's not good for you. But, you know, you don't have to be a celiac patient to have uh, celiac type symptoms. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer that a lot of people <laughs> should probably not eat gluten. I'm always uh, sort of banging the drum because it really was pivotal in changing my health and wellness. You talk about sugar and wine face too, and, and those two are somewhat interlinked. Um, and I think those are the ones that are maybe the most interesting to our listeners because they're really related to some of the signs of aging that we're trying to fix. Sugar is really, really so, it, 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 it wreaks so much havoc. And, you know, with sugar face in this particular diagram that I go over, you get these acne cysts, you get sagging of the skin, you get gray, pasty kind of skin, you, you know, um, sugar equals skin sagging. That's the way I always want people Yikes. to remember this. Because <laughs> think about how sticky sugar is. It sticks mm. to your white blood cells, it just sticks to your microtubules, all the, it sticks to your collagen even worse, because when it sticks to your collagen, uh, that's when you can get your skin to sag. So, you know, you have to be super, super careful with dairy, sorry, not dairy, with sugar and dairy um, because it's, it causes skin sagging. And you see people say to me, what is going on? Why am I getting, you know, my skin sagging over the last couple of weeks or three weeks? Well, A, are you stressed out? And quite often with stress goes with eating more sugar, um, goes hand in hand. So, you know, quite often, you know, you get people off sugar and it is remarkable the results you see. 
even after even after one week of stopping sugar, you will see a difference in your skin. Amazing. You talk a little bit about sugar substitutes too. And this was interesting for me because my husband likes to have diet pop. And I tell Uh. him all the time, you are decimating your microbiome. But I obviously don't know the science. Could you just tell us a little bit about that and what's going on with sugar substitutes? Yeah, well, you're, you're, without going into too much detail, you're creating the same response as sugar, if not worse, because then you're actually, it's, it's more, there's more, um, how do you say, you know, chemicals in, in, in this particular, it's not just straight sugar. Um, and you're triggering all sorts of areas in the brain that's saying, okay, alert, this is sugar. Um, it also causes damage to the uh, mitochondria, uh, and some of these artificial diet sugars are worse than actually sugaring itself. So diet Coke is actually worse than Coke. Now, I'm not saying drink Coke, but if you had a choice, <laughs> if you have to choose, fat Coke, you know, yeah. if you're going to do it, do it right. Um, you know, and I don't know, I think there's like 30 grams of sugar per thing of Coke. It's just ridiculous. It's crazy. Or a can of Coke or a glass of Coke. Um, and, you know, you know, here's the thing is that we getting people off sugar is a step-by-step process. So I recommend people do it, you know, try it out for a week and take a picture of their skin before and then take a picture of their skin after because then they will get some kind of, you know, um, you know, you want to give people a way to, to, to say, hey, listen, this is doing something for you. You know, you've been doing this for a week. Look at your skin before, look at your skin after. And if I have to use skin as a manipulating tool, I'll do it. (laughs) Because we know sugar causes so many other, so much damage to the body in general. But if you just start with the skin, that'll give you a good starting point. Well, it's amazing that skin can be such a powerful motivator in your practice, that really what you're aiming for is someone to have a better quality of life and to be healthier and have less inflammation and all of the other functions of the body to work better. But if, to your point, the benefit to them is that they have glowing, radiant, smooth, elastic skin, they're more likely to be compliant. So it it makes a lot of sense. Um, What kinds of things do you recommend people do if they're going off wine, sugar, dairy, uh, and gluten to sort of substitute in? Are there things, are there certain sweeteners that you would say were okay? What what are some of the key substitutes? Well, listen, um, if you're coming off sugar and gluten and sort of, you know, I would increase number one, your protein intake okay. throughout the day, because that will help curb your cravings and eat smaller meals throughout the day. Drink lots of water. A lot of the time people go for candy bars or whatever. It's because they're actually dehydrated. They're not actually hungry. Interesting. Um, because they're, you know, their dopamine levels are triggering. They're wanting gratification all the time. And so having a candy bar, that surge of sugar will give you that gratification temporarily. Uh, so, you know, I recommend drinking water, increasing your protein. I know these sound really boring, but they actually work. Um, the other thing is increasing fiber in your diet. Also, um, eating apples, like may, maybe like having cut up apples ready to grab. If you're feeling like that candy bar or, you know, something unhealthy, you know, have some, uh, uh, you know, some fruit and obviously with the peel, because a peel provides the fiber, the fiber allows the blood sugar to be released slowly into the system so you don't get a huge surge of sugar because fruit, you know, uh, are, you know, if you juice fruit, that's like drinking sugar as well. Okay. So I don't recommend, you know, juicing 
fruit. So eat your fruit, juice your vegetables if you need to juice anything. Uh, the other one was, uh, you know, with respects to, I think you were asking me about, yeah, stevia is an alternative. Okay. Um, a small amount of stevia is totally safe. And, you know, I mean, everybody reacts differently, but all you need is a small amount, which is the beauty of this um, stevia. It's quite sweet. So if you want to sweeten anything, maybe add some stevia versus sugar. Okay, great. Um, and let's talk a little bit about supplements. And again, I know that that could be a very long discussion as well, but I love how you simplify things and, and sort of give us the sort of top, you know, top line of what we absolutely need to be taking from a supplement perspective. And I know you have an amazing line of supplements. What are sort of the top three to five supplements that pretty much all of us should be taking? Yeah. So I, you know, this is why I created products was really for myself. <laughs> I found a gap in the, the, you know, the market and was hoping everybody else would want them as well. Um, you know, I always look at vitamins in a symphony. You need a symphony of vitamins. So you need to take you can't take vitamin A on its own or vitamin C on its own. It's good to take them in a symphony. So A, C, E, zinc, selenium, hyaluronic acid is not a, it's, it's not a, it's not a vitamin, but it's actually really, really important. Um, that is so important for the skin and the joints. MSM is also another one that I add in there. Uh, vitamin D, super, super important. Um, vitamin D is basically most of the world is lacking in vitamin D and vitamin D acts as a pro hormone, acts as an anti-inflammatory, you know, so there, those vitamins are absolutely necessary and quite often deficient in people. Do you find that people in uh, climates that are less sunny, like London need more vitamin D? <laughs> People in Nova Scotia. <laughs> yeah, for example, people in Vancouver. Yeah, almost, yes. almost every patient I used to check in my London practice had a vitamin D deficiency. Wow. Also, countries you know, in the Middle East and India, believe it or not, darker skinned people have lower um, vitamin D ability for absorption. So you know, people with dark, darker skin like myself have a hard time absorbing vitamin D. So even, you know, even worse for us that we need to make sure that we keep up our vitamin D orally because, you know, sitting out in the sun is not going to cut it. It's just not enough. You need to have 20 minutes of full body sun exposure every day to keep your vitamin D levels up. And even then it's not, I mean, your neighbors were probably going to A, complain. Uh, right. <laughs> and B, who has time to sit outside naked and can, you know, like roll around, you know, turn around like a rotisserie chicken and, and you know, be <laughs> affected by the, by, you know, the sun. It, it's, it's a hard one. So um, even then vitamin D levels tend to get low. So I think it's super important to make sure that you are supplementing with vitamin D and not just vitamin D, but K, with K1 and K2, um, okay. which are made by bacteria in your gut. So again, if you don't have enough good bacteria in your gut, uh, you're not going to be able to absorb these key vitamins. So again, I created a probiotic that also um, was helpful at helping increase the absorption of vitamins and minerals. I love this idea of a symphony. So with each of your patients, do you sort of determine the actual specific symphony for each one of them, depending on their blood work and the other sort of things that are happening in their lifestyle? Absolutely. Every single patient gets their own 
individualized program. Um, although I did make up supplements that were mainly what I kept finding the more I diagnosed and, and tested patients was I kept finding deficiencies in vitamin D, also deficiencies in vitamin A. Vitamin okay. A is like, you know, a very, it's not talked about enough. Vitamin A is super important, found in, um, you know, beta carotene, you know, carrots, um, but it's hard to absorb that. So, you know, getting vitamin A from beta carotene is super important. Vitamin C is deficient a lot. Um, vitamin E as well. Uh, selenium is, you know, the World Agricultural Association reported but selenium being so low in our soil. And hence, we're seeing so many thyroid conditions. So, okay. And zinc as well, you know. So all of these vitamins, we're all deficient in, in them. And is, is iodine also related to thyroid? It is. It is. Um, and, you know, the best way we can get that is from seafood and seaweed. Um, it is super important to have iodine in your diet. And that, again, that's why I put it in one of my products. Um, the Beauty in a Bottle has like all the vitamins, A, C, E, zinc, selenium, iodine. I put some hyaluronic acid in there for the skin plumping. Amazing. Effect. And it's amazing for... You know, if I just take that on its own, my skin doesn't get dry and I don't put any body lotion on my body just to check in and see, am I absorbing these nutrients? Because putting body lotion on is really, you know, it's great. It's important um, to take care of your skin, but it's an inside job really when you think about it. Yeah. Well, I love the idea of hyaluronic acid internally, as you said, but also vitamin A. I mean, we talk about it so much in skincare. Um, everybody, you know, retinols on everybody's lips and yet vitamin A internally um, is, you know, as important as it is externally. Um, uh, when it, when you do talk about topicals, cause obviously <clears throat> the focus is really ingestibles and the food we're eating and our lifestyle. But when you talk about topicals, are there specific ingredients that you are a fan of, uh, to sort of support, um, externally support the skin? Yeah. So I'm a really big fan of hyaluronic acid Okay. And, you know, I think it's super important, as we know, um, we need um, hyaluronic. By the time we hit age 40, 50% of it is gone. <laughs> so 50% of it. Ah! <laughs> so basically, I, you know, mine was gone a long time ago. Uh, and... Well, it doesn't look gone. If anyone could see Dr. Talib, they would sign up for this program immediately. <laughs> you look absolutely your skin is radiant and, and gorgeous. Thank you. I mean, I keep up with all my supplements and, you know, I try to eat as healthy as possible. Um, but I am human. I do make mistakes from time to time. Um, and the, you know, I recommend the hyaluronic acid and also plant stem cells are super important. Okay. I worked with a, a team of researchers in Switzerland and we published a journal in the journal of cosmetology on plant stem cells and their efficacy for protecting the skin and using sunscreen in combination with using plant stem cells underneath. And that provided massive protection against can uh, skin cancers, damage, um, UV damage to the skin. So incredible um, results from that. So I added add that to my products. Um, vitamin F, which is um, not used as often in skincare, and it really helps with prevent preventing sebaceous glands from overactivating. So I like to use vitamin F there as well in skincare. Um, 
trying to think what else I recommend. I mean, I, I use all sorts of different, um, I like snow algae, uh, you know, but there are so many incredible products out there and I'm sure you have a great line of, um, products as well. I mean, I think the clean, uh, buzz is super important because we now know that whatever you put on your skin is going to be absorbed in your body. Well, we've always known that, but it's never been talked about. Um, so super important in, you know, being careful what you put on your skin. I do a lot of hormone testing on my patients. Okay. And uh, quite often I will ask them why, what are you using on your skin? And they'll be using some drugstore products. You know, they're like, oh, I've always used this since I was a kid and I continued it. And they're, es and they're not on any estrogen, but their estrogen levels are increased. Whoa. So we're actually seeing, you know, people using skincare brands that actually are creating, creating estrogenic effects. So you have to be careful. And what are the ingredients, Dr. Tlaib, that do you believe are creating those estrogenic effects? What should we be mindful of? Do you know, I wish I knew. I wish I knew okay. what they were putting. Even even like plastics can cause it. Uh, uh, it you know, there are, uh, there are a list of ingredients um, of, you know, in skincare that do create this phytoestrogenic um, or mimicking, estrogen mimicking. And I don't know what they are off the top of my head because, you know, clearly my scientists are really good about, you know, we do have a list of black lists of products that we don't put in um, our, my skincare. So right. uh, I think it's, it's hard to know because there are different chemicals that can mimic estrogen and... So the endocrine disruptors would be... Endocrine disruptors and any, any kind of chemicals can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, speaking just about hormones, um, what do you find happens to women in menopause, what happens to their skin and how do you, <laughs> I mean, not that I am, you know, personally wondering, no, absolutely. No, I'm going wondering. through it. I'm perimenopausal and it is, it is wow. Like it's one it's, thing to learn it and see patients, but it's another thing to experience it. Yes. Um, and it, it's, it, you know, my mom went through it really bad. And I think there is a genetic correlation with how your mother went through menopause is going to be a similar way that you go through it. However, you can get, you can be better from it through your diet and lifestyle and supplements. So, and skincare, as we've talked about now, it's incredible the changes that happen to your skin um, when you're going through perimenopause and menopause. Yes. I mean, it seems to be sort of a hot topic now in skincare, but are there specific um, sort of dietary things that we can do to support our hormonal health during this time, which then will have a, a follow-on effect to our skin because uh, the hormones are just haywire. <laughs> they're just dropping. <laughs> they're dropping and also they're becoming dirty. I call it dirty hormones. Okay. And so, you know, not only do they drop, but some of them become dirty. They kind of like, you know, think about it in the same way that good bacteria in the gut become bad, corrupt cops. These become okay. corrupt hormones uh, and oh, wow. they become disruptors. And so think of the endocrine disruptors, right? Yes. So similar to that, and they create, what are hormones? They're messengers. They're supposed to send messages to the cell. Now, if there's not enough of them to send messages, you're not going to get messages to various parts of the body and you're going to get neglect there. 
if you're also getting wrong messages sent to the body, you're going to have problems there as well. So it's a wow. double whammy when you're going into perimenopause. So things like cruciferous vegetables, okay. you know, uh, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, broccoli, all of those things. You got to steam them though. You can't eat them raw. I remember hearing you on a podcast with the Bagoop fellas talking about that and I stopped eating them raw. Good, good. They're going to absorb them better and you're going to digest better. Uh, so that is going to give you something called dindalmethane uh, dim, which we know you can take it in a supplement form as well. I also love evening primrose oil supplements um, for managing, you know, uh, hormonal levels. Um, I love different botanicals, Vitex, Chaseberry, uh, Chase Tree, rather, uh, Black Cohosh, you know, all okay. the botanicals that we study in naturopathic medical school. Incredible. Um, for managing perimenopause and menopause symptoms. And eating wise, definitely making sure that you're getting enough magnesium, making sure that you're drinking enough water, you know, you're getting enough exercise. You know, diet and lifestyle play 50% role. And then the other 50% is hormone imbalance. And it's like the hormone imbalance comes from age, it comes from dirty hormones. So you've got to really divide them up. 50-50 in terms of, you know, exercise and diet are super important, but it's also about getting good testing done for yourself by, you know, an integrative doctor or somebody that does this for a living because, you know, you could be bark, you could be on an anti-grain diet, you know, you could be doing everything and not getting anywhere. You still get somewhere, but not where you need to go if you're not right. precisely figuring out where your hormones are. Um, and following the plan in my four-week plan is is great, you know, because it not just helps your skin and your gut, but it does help your hormones. And then it, it's a great plan. I usually give it to all of my perimenopause and menopause patients. And how do you clean the hormones if they're dirty? Is this how you clean them? By, by adjusting your lifestyle and your diet and your sleep and your exercise? And can you actually clean them? Can you reverse the sort of damage that they're doing? Absolutely. You know, to clean them, you have to make sure that you um, support the liver's ability to detoxify. Okay. So, you know, you can't detox someone, but you can enhance your liver's ability to safely get rid of, you know, overproduction of, you know, you know, there's also think of it this way. If there's a lineup to get into a grocery store that's yes. all the way down the block, block and around the corner, which all of us have recently experienced, yes. are you going to wait in that lineup or are you going to go to a different grocery store? Right. You're going to go to a different grocery store, right? More, more right. than likely. You know, a lot of people wait, but, you know, if you've got kids at home waiting for you, or, you know, or it's sweltering hot outside, sweltering yes. hot outside, you're not going to wait in that lineup. In the same way, when you have toxins lining up in the liver to get detoxified, a lot of them leave. And when they leave and recirculate, they become more toxic the second time around. So, wow. you know, the liver's ability to detoxify, if you enhance the liver's ability to get rid of toxins, then all the lineup, everybody through the lineup is going to go quicker and you're going to get rid of, they're not going to recirculate and become more dirty. And that's what I mean by dirty hormones. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Dr. Talib, it was so great talking to you today. I know that you have some of the uh, 
premier Hollywood stars uh, and your clinic. And it's just really wonderful that you took the time today to talk to us and give our listeners some some of your tips. I love the simplicity of your message too, and um, the simplicity of your plan. And I know it can get more complex um, when you really get into it, but I love the fact that you've given us some really digestible, easy things that we can do. And uh, Reverse the Signs of Aging, a book that in 28 days can can completely change not only your well-being and your internal well-being, but the way that you look, which is uh, pretty amazing. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You can learn more about Dr. Talib's work by visiting her website, www.healthydoc.com. And you can follow her on Instagram at Dr. Nigma Talib. I learned so much from talking with Dr. Talib. Here are three things I can't stop thinking about. One, sugar equals skin sagging is a phrase of Dr. Talib's that will echo in my head maybe forever. What would I look like if I were sugar-free for a week or a month? It's a hard one, but it might be worth a try. Two, hyaluronic acid. Apparently, 50% of my supply is naturally gone, so I'll be investing on getting that number back up in the interest of one of the things I care the most about, my skin barrier. Three, plant stem cells. Dr. Talib's research with these sounds absolutely fascinating. I'll be looking more into what plant stem cells can do for my skin and yours. Thank you for listening to this episode of Total Skin Nerds. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes and Spotify. Total Skin Nerds is produced by Rob Corso, Casey Kahn, and Howie Kahn for Free Time Media. Our theme music is by John Palmer. Special thanks to Emily Barnuin, Catherine Spears, Kara Canning, Ginny Chan, Jane Meredith, and Megan Collins. And I'm your host, Amy Risley. Till next time, nerds. Total Skin Nerds is brought to you by SkinFix. We're clean, clinically active, and on a mission to help heal your skin. Total Skin Nerds is a podcast created to educate. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical advice. If you are looking for help with a skin concern, we would encourage you to seek the advice of a board-certified dermatologist, functional medical practitioner, or other qualified healthcare provider. You can find a registry of board-certified dermatologists in the U.S. at find find-a-derm.aad.org and in Canada at dermatology.ca. For a registry of qualified functional medical practitioners, you can visit ifm.org. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We hope that you enjoy listening to Total Skin Nerds as much as we enjoy making it.